Welcome to Gethsemane Sundays from Gethsemane Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The presiding minister is the Reverend Deborah Muter, music performed by Aaron Smith. This was recorded Sunday, September 27, 2020. According to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter, when Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him, and he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why did you not believe him then? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority am I doing these things. What do you think? Jesus said, a man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, I will not, but later changed his mind, and he went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. We have skipped ahead a couple chapters in Matthew. We're on chapter 21 after being in 18 for quite a bit. And it's worth asking the question, what happened in the in-between chapters? It really is. So first thing I'm going to do is, of course, give you a homework assignment, and that is go home and read those chapters. A little spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what's in those chapters. But I'd like you to go read them and have them kind of integrate in your mind with what you're hearing, reading and hearing today. So those chapters tell about what we call the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Actually, that's what they call it in there. What we tend to call it is Palm Sunday, because that's what we call it, right? On Palm Sunday, we wave palm branches, sing Hosanna, and we remember that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And people, the crowds of people were thrilled, so ecstatic to have Jesus that they greeted him as some wonderful king, even though he probably looked a lot more like a peasant sitting on a donkey instead of a king on a high horse, right? They were so ecstatic that they took off their outer cloaks 
And they pulled branches and leaves down from the trees and put them down on the ground so that the donkey that Jesus rode on wouldn't even have to dirty its feet on the paths of their city. They were so excited about Jesus coming in. Now, always on Palm Sunday, we remember that Palm Sunday comes one Sunday, and before the week is even over, on Good Friday, many of the same crowds of people would have been yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And then, of course, in a couple more days, on Easter Sunday, we're celebrating again with, as I talked about with the girls, with white, the resurrection, the glory and brightness of the resurrection. So all, not all of that story is in there. I've gotten ahead of myself. Just the triumphal entry. What else did Jesus do after he got into Jerusalem? Something he's known pretty well for. Losing his cool. Right? Turning those tables over. The money changers. Not just because they were selling things in the temple, because they were unfairly selling things. They were taking advantage of people who were coming to worship God and overcharging them and making it just this terrible place. And it made him angry. He turned the tables over. So he's come in. The people have praised him. He's turned over the tables and totally upset the whole situation so that once he's in there and gets settled in, he comes into the temple, as he is allowed to do as a Jewish man, and he runs into some people for whom the temple itself is truly their home turf. The chief priests and the elders. Now these are not Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees and Sadducees have their place also. But the chief priests and the elders, they are truly the elite. They are the creme de la creme of the people. They have risen to the top by way of birth. They were born into the right families. Very handy for them. And Rome has given them the authority to watch over all the other Jewish people and make sure that they stay in line. So actually, it is a huge responsibility to make sure that people do what they're supposed to do and not break the laws of Rome, because if they start breaking the laws of Rome, people will die. The Romans had no qualms about killing people, obviously, as we'll find out, as we have found out with Jesus' crucifixion, if they're making trouble somehow. So these people are in charge, and Jesus has disrupted the apple cart, as we say. He's made things uncomfortable, and they're worried about what he's going to do, and so they're going to ask him, very much like this, right? What authority do you have what you're, to do what you're doing? Authority was very important in their culture. It is with ours, too. What kind of credentials do you have? Are you authorized authority to do what you want to do? What you're, think, what you're here to do. On Wednesday nights when we have at the table, every once in a while, someone comes in to see how things are in the kitchen and where are they from? The health department. And we always go, oh, the health department's here. And we always pass. I say we loosely. I'm not the one during the work. But um, they have authority to say, you have done things properly. Things are clean. Things are the right temperature, Right? And at the end of the night, we have a report that says, good job, fortunately. It has always said, good job. They have the authority to see about what we do in there. And you all have authority over certain things in your own lives and with other people. Some of you might be uh, what's called a POA, a power of attorney for someone else. 
Or you may have given POA to someone else. You know that they're going to have the responsibility and authority when you cannot take care of yourself. We all have some sort of authority, and even more, we all have some sort of authority over us. And these guys really did have the rightful authority. Jesus, of course, is going to point out that they don't use it well. They say to Jesus, so what authority do you have? We know that Jesus had the authority, all caps. God himself. God his Father. God, he was God himself. We knew that. Jesus knew that. But Jesus decided to um, work it out with them a little bit and said, okay, I'll tell you. I'll answer. This is a t common thing at that time. I'll answer your question if you answer mine. My question is then, you answer my question, which is about John the Baptist. Basically, why didn't you believe John the Baptist? Was he from heaven? Was he sent from God? Or was he of earthly origin, just on his own? And the people, the, the, the elite, chief priests and elders, were in a pinch because they knew they couldn't get that one right. You say a 50-50 chance, they weren't even willing to take that. They knew if they said John the Baptist was of God's origin, of heaven, that they would be pointed out, well, why didn't you believe him then? Why did you let happen to him what happened? And if they said that he was of human origin, the crowds would riot because the crowds, just as they loved Jesus, had loved John the Baptist and followed him. So the question doesn't get answered, and they go to Jesus and say, we don't know. They knew. They knew an answer, but they didn't want to say it. And all of this is to lead up to a question a, a, a parable that work, leads us to ask of ourselves, do I trust in God? If I asked any of you, do you trust in God? I'm pretty sure I'm looking around the room at a lot of people who would say, oh, of course, I trust in God. But when we go to put it in a little particular situation in our lives, we sometimes feel like we've got to take care of it or somebody else has got to take care of it, and we forget to leave it in God's hands. Do you trust in God? Now, what does this parable have to do with that? Well, let's just think through it once. We've all asked people to do things. We've been asked to do things, so we know about this. You ask somebody, could you take care of this for me? And they go, oh, sure, I'll be glad to take care of that for you. And guess what? Never gets done. Ever that ever happened to you? It's always easier if I do it that way. If I said to you, have you ever said you're going to do something? You probably would nod your heads on that too, right? And you just don't ever get around to it. Yeah. And then there's the other one. And both of these are father asking son, his sons. Another son says, gets asked, go and get to work. And he says, I am not going to work, Dad. No. Mm -mm. He sits around for a bit, thinks about it. Whatever it is that comes to him, he says, yeah, I better go. And he goes and he gets to work. Which one did the will of his father? Well, obviously, the people answer the first one, the one who actually got out there and did it. They both were disrespectful to the father by saying no, even if he did go and do it, or by saying yes and not doing it. Neither one of them trusted the father, and we don't trust God to make sure things are taken care of and that we are doing what we're supposed to do even when we don't want to do it. Here's an important part of this gospel reading. As you can see, I've kind of walked you through the whole thing. And here we are in the last few verses. Jesus says, 
He's telling this to the elite to say, here you have said, yes, yes, we're going to do God's will, but you've missed it. You're not doing it. Nobody likes to hear that. The hard part for us today is to try and open our eyes and our minds and our ears and our hearts as much as we can and say, okay, God, I'm trying to say yes to you. Because I'm going to guess if you're here this morning, you're pretty much trying to say yes to God. You made that much effort or somebody elbowed you enough that you made that effort and you got here. Good for you. Opening up to say, God, where am I not doing what you call me to do? The real way to do it, obviously, is say, yes, God, I'll help, and I'll do what I can, and then doing it. We never do it perfectly. Like I said, as we get towards the end of this, what Jesus says to those, those elite is he picks the worst possible people, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, right? We might say, put in anybody else who you think is bad, whatever group or type of person or even individual person, they're going to go into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you doesn't say they're going and you're not. Make sure you notice that. They are stepping into the kingdom of heaven here and now as they begin to do what God has called them to do. You and I get to step into the kingdom of heaven here and now as we do what God has called us to do. As we follow the one who died for us, that's the rest of the story, right? died on the cross, brought us eternal life, promises that he's going to take care of everything. We can trust him even enough to do what he calls us to do. Amen.
This has been a Wayne Shout production. Mm-hmm.